Everyone, welcome to the Imaginal Space Podcast. My name is Catherine Perry, and if you are new, welcome. And if you have listened before, welcome back. Today, we are going to be continuing the introduction to Aura Color series with the color violet. So, if you've listened before, you know I like to get started by taking some time to just close our eyes, take a couple of deep breaths, and set the intention for the episode. Welcome in whatever you want to welcome in to guide you today. And then after that, we will get started. I take a couple of deep breaths. So if you need more time, just feel free to hit the pause button. And then we will get started with the color violet. Okay, perfect. So I... I'm really, really excited to talk about Violet. I feel like I say that every episode, and I also feel like I say that every episode because I genuinely do get excited to talk about every single color because every single color has such a unique message. Um, the way that I understand the colors is that each color has a theme. And then there the colors are kind of like a mini archetype family. So within each color, there are seven different archetypes, and each archetype kind of brings its own flavor, its own wisdom to that central color. So for example, violet is the color of being your own channel and kind of discovering your channeling flavor. So that's what we are going to be talking about today. And so then every single archetype within the color violet supports our understanding of what it means to be your own channel, what it means to kind of develop your own relationship with channeling. So as we go along, it'll make more sense and it will become more clear. So let's start our story with the sword. I thought this was a beautiful place to start because I remember when I was first learning about the cards, the first story or metaphor that I heard about with the sword was the first time we encounter the sword is when we come out of the mother's womb. So the mother and the womb actually are both archetypes within this deck, which makes it even more fascinating to see how those three archetypes play off of one another. Um, anyway, so yeah, the first time we kind of interact, you know, within our human experience, within this third dimensional experience with a manifestation of the archetype, the sword, is when we come out of our mother's womb and then we cut the umbilical cord. And I thought this was, honestly, I thought this little anecdote, this little narrative explained everything that needed to be known about the sword and within the context of the color violet. The sword is a huge boundaries card. You know, it's kind of cutting away what's unnecessary in order to kind of get clear. And that's why we are beginning with the sword today because that moment when we, you know, first come out of the mother, you know, archetypally and I guess literally speaking, you know, that cut is the first time we kind of are separate. You know, so when we are within the womb and I've never been pregnant, so bear with me here. I also haven't taken a biology class in a really long time. Um, 
But when we are, you know, within the mother's womb, we are united. We are united through the umbilical cord. And, and then the sword is the first time that that connection is severed. Not, not that you are disconnected from the mother in any way, but it's like that physical connection is severed. And then you begin the journey of kind of becoming your own person. And that's an energy and a narrative and a story that is very, very, very important with Violet. So being your own channel is a huge pillar, I guess you could say, of the imaginal space. The imaginal space was born in the spirit of, yes, love, equality, universal family, um, unity consciousness. Um, There's a lot of, there is also a theme of collective consciousness within the color violet as well. That's a huge, I would say, theme of the imaginal space. And then the other huge theme is developing your own relationship with yourself or whatever it is that you believe in, you know? And I always like to offer those two because, you know, any way in which you describe it, it's equal, you know? So if you want to call it developing a relationship with yourself, developing a relationship with God, developing a relationship with the universe, all of those are equivalent in my eyes. Um, They're honestly all just different ways of describing the same thing, you know, just depends on the language that you want to use. And so the sword is, you know, very, very, it's the most, it's like the perfect starting point for getting to know the color violet because when developing your own relationship with yourself, um, God, the universe, spirit, creation, et cetera, and so on, you need to differentiate yourself from all of, it's kind of like you need to differentiate yourself from your history, you know? And it begins this, I don't want to say journey or process, but I'm blanking on like a better word there. I feel like those words are so overused, but it does begin that process of that individualization process, you know, and not necessarily just using what it is that you know and what it is that you're comfortable with in terms of what you might have picked up on from external surroundings. You know what I mean? So going back to the metaphor of, the mother, the sword, the umbilical cord, the baby, you know, all that good stuff. What that really represents is just finding your own, just finding your own relationship with yourself, finding your own, you know, relationship with, you know, whatever higher power, if that's something that has a place in your life, that is the energy of Violet. So what's like a different example? Um, Personal example, okay? I went to church uh, like all the time when I was a kid, you know, that was something that my family that we did together, it was, yeah, every single Sunday, you know, whether I liked it or not, you know, because sometimes as a kid, I kind of wish I was honestly one of those kids that really looked forward to church on Sundays, but that was just not the case. I really just wanted to sleep in, but that's something that we would do. Right. And I remember being in that space, um, there, there were like two different services. Uh, there was like a youth service and then one for adults. And I I don't know why. I just always, I preferred the one for adults for some reason. They were both fantastic. I think they did a really good job with the youth service and just in terms of making it more approachable and relatable. Uh, that's besides the point. Um, but I really liked, I think what I really honestly liked about being in the adult service was, I mean, in the youth service, it's kind of like a kind of like a mixed bag. You know, you have some kids that are, again, really want to be there. And then some that just really wanted to sleep in that Sunday morning. 
Um, so it really depended, honestly. But with the adult service, I just I remember looking at ra- around and admiring just how everybody. Number one, everybody that was there wanted to be there, you know. So again, there's that energy of you know. <laughs> When you bring your kids, you know, again, your kids might just not want to wake up in the morning. Um, But if you're an adult, you know, chances are if you're an adult, you want to be there, you know, for some reason or another, you know, I don't necessarily know what that is, but I was always so fat. I didn't really at the time when I was a kid have my own relationship with God in my own way, you know, I did and I really didn't understand it. So what fascinated me was, you know, looking around and taking in all of the energy about every single adult that was so excited to be there and clearly and it was like I don't know I wonder what it is about them where they just seem to understand you know everything that's being said everything that's being said the pastor's saying um you know he was brilliant you know I didn't realize just like how good he was until you know I grew up a little bit and I could really you know focus and understand But yeah, I would always like look around and be like, wow, everybody chose to be here for some reason. You know, what is it? What is their connection with God that they have that I just seem to be missing? You know, and I really wondered that a lot, you know, as a kid and then as a, I guess, middle schooler, adolescent, uh, and then as like a teenager, you know, I didn't really develop that on my own relationship until like I would say early 20s. You know, that's when I first started to kind of, you know, actively put in, I guess, what you could say, the effort and the love to cultivate that my my own relationship, you know, if that makes sense. Um, But all of that is to say with the sword and everything else, even if I think there is something very, very special about finding your own unique relationship and not just taking you know, what anybody else has to say at face value. You know, I wholeheartedly believe that even if there, let's just say there are 100 people total in a church and they are all listening to the same service, they can all have their own. And I do believe they all have their own unique relationship with God, even if it's like, again, same church, same service, same day, same hour. They all have their own relationship. And I think developing that relationship is so important. So That's the sword, which is, again, not because, oh, that's why I brought up the example of me being a kid. You know, my mom also grew up in a very, you know, religious household. um, So that's just like a thing that we have in our family. Yeah, her telling me, you know, we got to go to church or, um, you know, this is just something that we do on Sundays or her telling me X, Y, Z about what she believed. It's not like she ever tried to push it on me or anything like that. But it was one of those things where I just I had to experience it for myself in order to truly understand it. People telling me and I was actually also one of those kids. I really enjoyed listening to and I talked about this in the blue episode a little bit. I really enjoyed listening to people talk about their faith, you know, whether that was like Mormonism, Judaism. I didn't grow up in a very diverse town, so my options were quite limited. Just a lot of Catholics um, around here. Um, but I really, I really, really enjoyed it. And even, you know, within my own religion, I enjoy listening to people, you know, say whatever they had to say about their own relationship with God too. And I was always fascinated by the love I would just feel, you know, when they talked about their connection and their devotion. And I thought it was so beautiful that 
people could find this connection, you know, with whatever higher power they believed in, in so many different ways and essentially so many different languages. So, and when I say language, I believe that, you know, all like, for example, I believe all religions are equivalent. I know that's like not necessarily um, some, a truth that everybody holds in their hearts, but I do believe that religion, all, all of them are different stories to kind of describe the same connection and whatever religion, whatever language, you know, clicks with you. I think that's beautiful if it supports you in that way, you know, but it doesn't have to be anything specific. So that's my little spiel on religion. And if there is no religion that's for you, that's cool too. So we're going to go into the prayer a little bit um, because this is also, a, again, one of these, when I looked at the Violet family, I was like, these are all perfect cards, you know, for this discussion and to support this, you know, again, this process of becoming your own channel. So we started with the sword, which again, essentially the message of the sword is to kind of figure out what it is that you do and don't believe in on your own, you know? So it would like, for example, it would have been so easy for me to just be like, you know what? My family has been going to XYZ church for so many years. I'm just going to do that. You know, I'm going to dive deep into this and I'm just going to commit myself to this without even giving it a second thought. And the sword encourages you to get really, really clear and to be active. You know, there's, um, it's not necessarily an action-oriented card, but think about, you know, how much energy and how much, how active you have to be to even use a sword, you know, in order to cut away, you know, what is unnecessary. It You have to be an active participant. So that's actually also a really important dimension to this, which is the sword is not like a tool um, because within the archetype family, there are the selves, the places, the tools, and the initiations. The sword is a tool. Um, yeah, I guess, you know what? All the tools are active you know, in one way or another, especially the sword. So the sword, it's bringing this medicine of you're not just, it, like, this is not like a lazy energy. You know what I mean? And there is a difference, by the way. There is a difference where, and be, maybe it's because I didn't necessarily experience it this way. I'm a little bit more less familiar. There is a difference if, let's just say, you know, maybe I did go to church with my mom and then everything just clicked. You know, everything was just like clear, crystal clear and there wasn't, you know, so much of that initial, you know, active participation. That's amazing. You know, that's really, really cool. You know, if you received it that way and you feel genuinely connected, you know, otherwise, I think, you know, the sword does bring this energy of, you know, it's important to ask questions and it's important to, you know, begin the process of cultivate, cultivating, you know, facilitating and refining your own relationship again with yourself or a higher power, same thing um, within this context. So it is a very active energy and it really invites you to get clear again on what it is that you truly believe in your own heart and not necessarily simply laying back and absorbing whatever it is that you might've been told or whatever it is that you might've been taught or whatever it is that you might be used to. You know, the sword definitely encourages us to kind of break out of whatever, like, for example, okay, here's like a really good way of saying it. It was a habit, you know, for me to go to church on Sundays with my family. You know, I didn't necessarily choose it. And maybe, I mean, I'm sure that some kids do, you know, so I've heard of some kids that were just like so excited to go to church 
I had so many friends like that. They, they were genuinely excited to go every single Sunday. You know, that just wasn't me because I didn't feel connected to it in that way. The sword, it's saying it's, again, active energy. So make a choice, you know, make choices along the way. So make a choice to like cut this out or and, you know, and to continually mold and shape the clay. But just be active, you know, even if you were one of those kids that was like and I'm just, you know, really running with this example here that was really excited to go to church, you know, with your family. Just also keep it like um. Keep it an active relationship, you know, don't necessarily just like lie back. I don't know. You know, there's still so much to learn. And that's, you know, one of the themes of Violet is that there is so much to learn and so much to be gained and so much love and so much wisdom and intelligence and information from, you know, being your own channel, which again is synonymous with a relationship with yourself or God, you know? So with that, we can swing on over to the prayer. There are a couple of archetypes within this deck that are very near and dear and very close to my heart. The prayer is absolutely one of them. So again, going back to when I was a kid, I was always fascinated by praying. It was something that I always wanted to, it was a practice that I always wanted to integrate into my life, but it never felt natural to me. And again, this is a wonderful example because I had to find my own way and my own rhythm of praying and figure out what does that really mean to me. So over the years of just like being a kid and again, you know, definitely during my church going years, I did try and I do mean try because it didn't really stick um, to develop a prayer practice, you know, or um, for example, you know, we sometimes we would pray before dinner or even now when I go over to my like or when I visit my dad and my stepmom, she loves to pray before dinner you know, or her family is really religious too. So, you know, that's, you know, definitely where she gets that from. And I always, especially when I was a kid, I was just like, I don't know. I I just didn't feel a connection. And like I said, not everybody is this way, but I need to feel connected to any practice, any relationship that I have, you know, in my life. So the prayer archetype is a beautiful card, you know, as a, especially as a part of the Violet family, because it asks you the question, what is prayer? And I remember the first time I drew this card, I was like, hmm, you know, I actually never thought about that as simple as it sounds. And sometimes, you know, there are very simple and seemingly obvious questions that we don't really ask ourselves until we are prompted to. And we don't realize just like how much magic and how much love is underneath even the journey of arriving at the answer, you know? So Again, this card is, you know, what is prayer? You know, when are you when are you praying? When are you not? You know, what is the difference? Or even the question of, you know, what are you praying to? You know, some people, like I said, um, and I'm going to swing back and forth between these two examples because, again, they are both equally important. Some people, you know, send a prayer to themselves or their loved ones. Some people, you know, do pray directly to God or some people, you know, have their own prayer relationship with spirit. But these are all important questions, you know, what, you know, what is prayer to you even, you know, when are you praying? When are you not? Um, Are you ever not praying? You know, these are all such fascinating questions that I would literally love to ask everybody just to see what their own unique answer is, you know? 
because the prayer, like all of these archetypes, it's been around for such a long time. You know, we as like human beings are such like, I mean, I actually don't know when religion just became so ingrained in our human society. Um, but it, it's just here. It's literally everywhere, you know? And, you know, when I began to learn more about this archetype, I just, I started realizing just how many manifestations of prayer that there are and how, and again, you know, going back to the sword, this goes back to, and this is a beautiful example of, you know, don't be lazy, you know, be an active participant in whatever your practice is. So if we are talking about prayer practice here, let's just say somebody gave you a prayer, you know, when you were small and then you got into a habit of using that prayer you know, before like every single time you eat or, you know, before you go to bed. For some people that works, you know, they are passed on prayers and they really feel the love and the connection to that prayer. And then for some people, it just doesn't work. You know, for me personally, I can't be just given a prayer. I have to write my own. And that's really, really fun for me. I didn't realize, honestly, I didn't realize, you know, just how connected I felt when I wrote my own prayers and then sometimes I, you know, use the same prayer and then sometimes I'm like, you know what, I just want to channel a new one. And that actually weaves really, really well into the nectar too. You know, the nectar is the card of developing your own unique medicine. So, and that's, you know, as we're kind of moving through the violet family, that's the whole point of all of this, you know, being your own channel, developing a relationship with yourself or a relationship with God or both even. Like I said, they're like the same thing. It's also you can develop your own unique medicine. So one of my favorite, there are some, you know, when there are just some things that people say and they just stick with you. It's like you just never forget them. I remember a healer one time, I think it was even, I think it was like on Instagram or something like that. Um, like an Instagram live or an IGTV. I don't spend, I don't really know um, which one it could have been, but it's whatever the video, whatever live stream capacity Instagram has, that's what it is, you know? So you know what I'm talking about. So on the, uh, on Instagram, she said something about how it's really important to pray to you know, or something along these lines. It's a little fuzzy, but essentially she was saying, you know, it's really important to pray to whatever it is that needs to be healed within you. And that kind of creates your own unique medicine. So I'm paraphrasing a lot, um, but that is the gist of what she was saying. And I don't know why that just changed everything for me in terms of prayer. You know, I realized that prayer is so much more open-ended than we think it is. In fact, I mean, I still don't even know honestly how to define prayer because it comes through for me in so many different forms. I would say that for me, you know, prayer is anytime you kind of just move outside of yourself, even for a moment, you know, and you kind of take your ego out of the center, you know, or take your self-identity out of the center. And that's why Violet does have this hint of collective consciousness to it. Because again, if again, for me, prayer is just taking yourself out of the center. So for me, um, okay, when I was younger, I used to think that prayer was kind of like, uh, this sounds silly, but I just, I really didn't know much and I really didn't investigate it for myself. I always thought that prayer was kind of like 
You know, when Christmas rolls around, I mean, you know, if you celebrate Christmas, but you probably know something about Christmas, just even culturally. Um, If you celebrated Christmas, you know, when Christmas would roll around and your parents would be like, okay, uh, if you were younger and if you were lucky enough to, you know, be in a financial position for your parents to do this, um, I was definitely lucky enough. My parents would ask me, okay, like write down, you know, your wish list for Santa and um, tell Santa what you want for Christmas, you know? So again, if you were lucky enough to have that tradition and then you could ask your parents, Jeff, I did not get everything on my Christmas list. Uh, my parents were not like that um, by any means, but they thought it was like, I guess, fun for us to like write a letter to Santa, you know, detailing what it is that we wanted. And then at some, you know, point, we kind of grew out of that. But interestingly enough, that is kind of, what I thought prayer was too. I thought it was asking, and again, this was before I developed my own relationship. I thought it was asking God for stuff and then praying that he heard it. And I also thought God was a he, you know, at that you know point in time. Um, and then, yeah, hoping that he would deliver it to me. That's what I thought, you know? And that's before I did, you know, my own personal investigation. And, you know, another thing that really shook my entire world and just like kind of cracked it wide open was when I heard another one of, you know, somebody I really, really admire and look up to. He was talking one day on a podcast episode about how our relationship with God, it's everything. Our relationship with creation, it's everything. You know, so he definitely believes in, you know, God, source, spirit, creation, as I do. But that, that's another way of saying, you know, our relationship with ourselves, that's everything. And that's also a huge theme of Violet. Violet is realizing that whatever is going on inside of you, so that is reflected outside of you. So that goes two ways. You know, the relationship you have with yourself is reflected in your external world. And the relationship that you have with God is reflected in your external world. And that was another quote that just like, again, cracked my entire world open. And I was like, wow you know? So, and that's when I really started, you know, going back to the sword, really reevaluating what it is that I really believed, you know? And I also never put this together until now. He did compare that a lot of people compare the way that people interact with God is kind of like Santa Claus, you know, in that if we are good, then we receive gifts. And then if we're bad, we receive a lump of coal. And that's, and he had such an interesting theory on how that connects to, you know, with God, if we make him happy, we go to heaven. And if not so much and we do bad things, we go to hell unless we repent and forgiveness and all of that. I don't really know because I'm so far away from religion. It's not even funny. So I can't even comment on it. And here's the thing. And this is the beautiful thing of Violet. It's a very non-judgmental energy. It's a very accepting energy. So even it's not to say that believing in heaven or hell is, you know, here nor there. It's more about how do you want to experience God in the first place? You know, how is it that you want to live? That's the far more important question than is this religion right? Is this understanding of what happens, you know, after we pass away, you know, correct or not? It's how do you want to understand the world around you? Actually, that leads really well into Eros, but I don't want to, you know, jump ahead of myself there. But that's a very, very, I thought that was so important you know? And so going back to prayer, once I realized, you know what, I don't 
necessarily believe that God is a bearded man in the sky with uh, sandals. And I don't necessarily believe that God is even a him, you know, and again, my personal beliefs are not necessarily what this episode is about. It's about investigating. And that's, again, the sword, investigating whatever it is that you believe in and asking yourself these questions, you know? So kind of going back to prayer, once I realized that the whole, like, my whole understanding of prayer in terms of, like, it's basically like a wish list or just asking God for stuff, not even stuff, but like certain stuff to like happen, which I think also does kind of tie into manifestation a little bit and how people think of manifestation. But that's also a good example. I talked about this a lot with the color orange and how, you know, uh, there's a card in there, the castle that calls us to reevaluate, you know, what is manifestation really? Or, you know, how is it that you co-create? And that's when I started moving away from the word manifestation into co-creation because I realized that that language better represented, you know, number one, how I wanted to communicate my soul, my spirit, but also was more representative of what I believed in in the first place, you know? So I'm not really a, and it's, again, not necessarily about my personal beliefs, but, you know, that's kind of the only example I have. It's more about developing them on your own, you know? So again, the prayer, whatever prayer is to you, whatever God is to you, whatever God isn't to you, it's just, it's about asking yourself even the question. And like I said, prayer, once I really started asking myself these questions, I never felt more connected to this archetype than I had in my entire life. You know, once I really started reevaluating, hmm, you know, I don't necessarily believe that prayer is like a Christmas wish list. And not to say that, you know, if you believe in like God as a um, as a male uh, entity, that that's how you believe in it. It's just like, again, it's just kind of what I absorbed. And I just needed to find my own way of releasing it, you know? And I know sometimes like religion and all of, you know, our personal beliefs can kind of get tricky to talk about because it is so intangible but that's also, again, Violet has this flavor of collective consciousness for a reason. The way I understand Violet is there is space for whatever it is that you believe in. You know, no matter how it is that you believe in it or, you know, what it is, it's no more or less important. It's no more or less correct than whatever it is that I believe, you know, and that's a really, really important part of Violet, you know, or Another way of saying that is that, you know, the unconditional love, the God, the spirit that I believe in can hold space for everything. It's a big enough container. It has enough love for everything, you know? So going back to the prayer and then kind of entering the nectar a little bit, I really loved, you know, what that healer had to say about, and th so this is a, a little bit of a continuation of the discussion of the prayer you really find, you know, your kind of way of praying and your unique medicine by paying attention to whatever needs to be healed within yourself and then just healing that in the most natural way that you can. So when I was younger, you know, I would pray like in my head, you know, and it's this sounds like such a subtle difference, but I found that praying out loud and using my voice made all the difference in the world, you know, because I found that, like, for example, just going to the nectar and the nectar is your own unique sweet medicine, 
You know, it's paying attention to what really heals you when you need it the most. And the nectar encourages us to not be so rigid with what we define as healing. So for instance, I've talked about this before many times on the podcast because it's just like, it's one of the only examples I have. I found over the past year, and I already knew this um, within actually within the past couple of years, it's just like something that's so important to me and has been so healing to me. Whenever I really need to decompress and whenever I just need like a refresh, a restart, I found that, you know, finding my nearest garden or going for a hike through like whatever forest or jungle is around, that's something that really heals me. Or um, in any place that I have ever lived or any place I've ever traveled to, you know, for I would say more than a month, I've always sought out the nearest garden. And that's always been something that's been important to me. So whether when it was at when I was at like university, you know, whenever I felt super overwhelmed and I was just like, I need a refresh, I need to reconnect, I need to restart. There were two gardens I would go to, you know, one was like a 15 minute walk. So if I was like, oh, I really need it, you know, I was like and I was really feeling it. I just, you know, pop over there, get the reset that I need. And, you know, that was that if that was like a quick fix, if it was like I was feeling extremely overwhelmed and extremely just disconnected from myself, I would say, you know what, I'm going to take this weekend, not the weekend, a day, you know, over the weekend and I'm going to go to these botanic gardens and I'm just going to spend the entire day there with myself, no distractions. So I don't even know, get your homework done before then. And that's both of those were like emanations of the nectar, manifestations of the nectar for me. You know, very simple, wouldn't necessarily work for everybody, but it worked for me. And that's the point of the nectar sprinkled in with a little bit of the prayer. It's about what works for you, not anybody else. And this goes back to the sword also in, again, finding the individualization within, you know, your relationship to God, your relationship to yourself, your relationship to your own unique medicine, being an active participant and finding your own way and finding your own experience. And that's why I found what she said. It was so powerful, you know, sing to, you know, whatever needs to be healed within you, speak to whatever needs to be healed within you. You know, for me, it's quite literally speaking. So, you know, before podcasting, before, you know, uh, blogging, before any of that, journaling was a huge part of my life. Journaling was my nectar through and through. You know, I've always been a journaler. I journaled when I was from the time I was like five and I could write. Not really. You know, I still have that journal and a lot of the letters are backwards, you know. Um, But yeah, from the time I was five and I could hold like a pen or whatever um, and like kind of, you know, write in the journal to now, my journaling practice has evolved, but that's always been such a huge medicine for me. You know, I used to write it in a journal and then, you know, uh, my handwriting literally since I was five has not been the best. Apparently I had, you know, some beautiful cursive in the first grade, but that quickly, you know, dissipated by the time, you know, I was in the second grade by the time I was seven. So for one whole year of my life, when I was six, I had phenomenal handwriting even won an award. But after that, it just, it got so bad and so illegible. I decided to start typing, you know? So writing to type, writing in, you know, physical journals, which was like fun up until I was like, I can't read this, you know? And then I started typing and then I realized, you know what? Wow, speaking 
is just the most impactful <laughs> the most impactful for me. I don't really know why, but it it just it is what it is, you know. And now I balance out my time between, you know, writing and speaking depending on what kind of mood I'm in. And that's how I even got into podcasting in the first place. So what would, especially over the past couple of years, because I would say those have been, I mean, I would say they've all been difficult in their own ways. I would say the past couple of years, you know, we all know how much we've loved 2020. Uh, 2020 has been an interesting experience for everybody. Journaling out loud and basically just taking the time to speak to whatever needed to be healed within myself. And that was a combination of speaking and, you know, healing my own aura and being my own healer. That was, it's like a whole thing. Um, But a lot of it, but finding out that speaking to whatever needed to be healed within myself just opened me up to love and made me feel so much better in a way that I could have not even comprehended before. That changed everything for me. And that's what I'm saying about, you know, being really open to the prayer and the nectar. You know, if I was so fixated on you heal in this way, and this is the nectar's, you know, medicine, the light expression of the nectar is being open to, you know, whatever heals you. And the shadow expression is kind of taking a rigid or a fixed approach to healing or being like, I must heal in this way. And there's only one way to heal. You know, when I just became more open to like, wow, you know, me speaking to whatever needs to be healed within myself, me speaking to the love within myself, that's what prayer is to me. And that's why I said it can be either one. It can be, you know, when we ask ourselves the question, who are we praying to? Sometimes I'm just like, I'm just praying to myself. You know, I'm speaking to whatever needs to be healed within myself. And I believe that's also synonymous with, you know, having, you know, a conversation with um, with creation, with spirit, you know, whatever. I, did, I remember you know, the day I got this download specifically related to the prayer, I was like, you know, I do spend a lot of time praying to myself. And then, you know, again, it just, it depended on the day or writing, you know, prayers to God. And I was like, you know what? I wonder, like, I was just, you know, musing and, I, and riffing. And I was like, I wonder if like God hears our prayers, you know? Um, And I realized, you know, or like, I wonder if I ever get like a response. And then I realized, you know, Prayer is not necessarily just like a one-off act. It's kind of like a state, you know? It's this state of, you know, me, you know, again, speaking, healing to whatever needs to be healed within myself. And then I feel it's a very clear feeling or I receive like a download. So it's like, um, I guess if you, you can label it this way, like clairsentience, like a very clear feeling, claircognizance, a very clear knowing or clairaudience, like, you know, you hear something clearly, you know, it's like a prayer. It's like a conversation. And it's a multidimensional conversation. And I've definitely written about this before. Just I've never talked about it. Um, But I realized, you know, me, you know, using my voice and speaking, it's been so impactful because then I feel a response. I hear a response. I know a response. And so prayer is, again, it's a state, you know, and it's a conversation. And it's something that it's alive, you know, it's alive with feeling. It's alive with knowing and it's alive with love, you know. And for some people, that sounds crazy. And I, I totally get that, you know, I, to me also sound nuts um, or sounded nuts at the time. And that's also what the prayer challenges you to do. And a little bit of the nectar is just to get comfortable in whatever your own, you know, medicine is. And then, you know, anything else is irrelevant. You know, it's whatever your spirit needs at any given time. So 
All right, let's move on a little bit into Eros. So I mentioned Eros before, but we can actually talk about Eros and the sustainer. So violet is a beautiful color. However, violet needs to be grounded. You know, everything that I've talked about so far with like prayer and medicine, those are all beautiful practices, but we need to ground them a little bit. So the sustainer, it's one of those cards that I didn't really understand as a part of the Violet family in general, because I was like, hmm, what does that have to do with channeling? What does that have to do with praying? What does that have to do, you know, with a relationship with yourself, et cetera, et cetera. The sustainer also, again, so many things, you know, coming up from past teachers are just coming through today. The sustainer archetype reminds me of what this one teacher would say also through a podcast. So again, I I learn a lot through speaking about myself and then I just, I learn through listening in general. So maybe that's why, you know, I'm always referencing podcasts instead of like a book or something like that. Um, the sustainer archetype reminds me of what this woman, again, so fascinating, so brilliant, so multidimensional and dynamic. Um, she would say about how important it is to realize that we are self-sustainable beings. So the sustainer is the archetype of nourishing yourself, you know, and really taking care of yourself and taking care of yourself. You know, I would say, not I would say, the sustainer, there are no like glamorous archetypes or anything like that. If anything, it might seem like a less exciting one, but it's very, very necessary. And here's why. So like I said, it's the sustainer and arrows grounds violet, you know? So the sustainer reminds us, you know, number one, that we are self-sustainable beings, but the sustainer and the sustainer and the nectar, it just reminds us that we need to take care of ourselves. And so that's where also the prayer comes in a little bit too. And the sword. So the sword is kind of, you know, within the context of the sustainer, it's understanding, okay, what really, how do I really take care of myself? You know, and not based off of, you know, what everybody else has to say about it. You know, how do I really take care of myself? And also how do I take care of other people too? And what does that really look like for me? So, and again, not focusing on anybody else. So, and it's really, it's very, very different, you know, what truly sustains and what truly nourishes our spirit. That's really, really important to know. So again, you know, understanding, you know, when I, and, you know, maybe, I don't know why I keep using this example, but it's just the easiest one. Um, when I was like in school and, you know, I was constantly, maybe it's because I was constantly stressed out, constantly anxious. And I mean, I don't use those words lightly. I was really stressed out and I was really, really anxious all the time. I learned, again, I learned a little bit about the nectar and I learned, you know, what it is that my spirit needed. And the sustainer says, make sure you're always putting this into practice. Always be aware of what you need. Always be aware of, you know, how that might change over time because we don't want to forget. And that's a part of, you know, Violet and channeling. You have to be extremely present with whatever it is that your soul, your spirit, your human self needs, you know, at any given point, you know. So those periods really challenged me to be present with exactly what I needed at any given point. And so the sustainer, again, it's tapping into that self-sustainable part of ourselves that knows how to take care of ourselves, you know? So that 
that all of that is to say, you know, the prayer, like, for example, it doesn't have to be this way, but the prayer is really important to me and praying and, you know, constantly, you know, showing up for myself as my own healer. That's an example of the sustainer that is really important to me. You know, that is how I activate the self-sustainable part of my being. It's just taking care of yourself, you know, every single day, you know, in a in literally in the most grounded way, because there are so many different ways to do this. It's just taking care of myself. You know, I learned a lot about that within the past year in terms of, you know, you know, really understanding what does take care of me and then, you know, what nourishes me and then what doesn't. So it's a little bit kind of like the nectar. The nectar is understanding your own unique medicine. The prayer is understanding, you know, how you connect. The sustainer is putting that into practice, you know? So if you're like me, like for me, I remember the moment I just, I don't know why I put it this way, but I was like, God is not an option, you know? Or I I was like, wow, I don't, I don't even know how I was living before, but being connected to God, source, spirit, et cetera, that's just a part of my life now, you know, and that's, that's the sustainer's energy. It's just understanding no matter what it is, what is important to you and how you can sustain and nourish yourself, you know? So in the same way, and, you know, this is where it gets a little complex because, you know, I'm fortunate enough, you know, to where I have a roof over my head. And to where, you know, I have enough food to eat and, you know, it's not like that everywhere. So that's also an important part of the sustainer. You know, it kind of goes two ways, you know, in the same way that we have to acknowledge, you know, what sustains our human bodies and, you know, what do we need, you know, in a very grounded way on a day-to-day basis, what does our spirit also need? And so you need to pay attention to both. So in the same way that, you know, um, I sustain myself through, you know, the privilege of having food, clean water, shelter, you know. Um, They're sustaining, you know, your human body. And then there's also sustaining the spirit. And so the sustainer, just within the context of Violet, it kind of allows you to look at, you know, what sustains you as a human being, you know, what keeps you nourished as a human being, you know, what is it that you just need to do in your day-to-day life to nourish your physical body? And then how does that reflect? How does that parallel to what it is that you need to sustain your spirit, you know, and paying attention to how those build off of each other. So if you were to look at it in terms of, okay, in the same way that, um, you know, I get to feed myself or I get to have clean water or I get to have a home and those are the things, you know, that I have the privilege of having and I get to have and that I need, you know, I also just for my spirit need X, Y, Z. Or for my mental health, I need X, Y, Z. Or for my emotional health, I need X, Y, Z. You know, and so now what I'm realizing also, the the sustainer asks you to like really balance just understanding that we are all in unique positions of privilege and, you know, some sort of way. And just, you know, acknowledging that and honoring that because that's just, it is what it is, you know, in our human experience in general. And balancing that with, you know, so what is it like bare bones? You know, what is it that you really need to nourish yourself and be a self-sustainable being? And again, not necessarily looking at everybody else. So for some people and also, yeah, realizing that, you know, what it is that you need is not aligned with, you know, everybody else. It's certainly not the same. But, you know, for some people, they need X, Y, Z and it is what it is, you know. So for some people, 
you know, they really need a bath, you know, once in a while, or some people, you know, just to take the time alone to themselves. Some people need 10 minutes a day to meditate, spend time with themselves. And that's like a non-negotiable. That's how they, you know, bring about the self-sustainability, you know, within themselves. For me, it's prayer. I, I need it. I just, I don't feel like myself without it, you know? And so it's just, it is a little bit, and I think this is just, it is important, you know, especially now with, you know, how much 2020 has revealed about, you know, the disparity of privilege. And I'm just, you know, it's always been there, but it's really been revealed. And, you know, everybody's really looking at it in America right now, you know, honoring that, you know, there is, you know, that disparity and always being aware of just how lucky you are. Like, for example, I'm lucky enough to say, you know, prayer is something that I need in my life and I get to focus on that instead of, you know, clean water, you know? So that's just, you know, just a little tidbit there to just to like remember that um, and that everybody's ways and means of being self-sustainable is not going to be the same. But that's just, you know, to ground Violet a little bit and to realize that, you know what, it's great to get clear with the sword and to understand what prayer is to you with the prayer and to understand what, you know, your unique medicine is to you and how all of these are enabling you to be a self-sustainable human being. So next, we're going to go into our other grounding card, which is Eros. So Eros is a beautiful card. Um, it's kind of like the sensuality card. I think that's a good synonym. Uh, the initiations, they don't have like words like the sword and the prayer that you can kind of play off of their story, um, their third dimensional story. So it's like sensuality and like groundedness. So, you know, it's being present with what's around you. And the main message of Eros, especially within Violet, which is really important, is embracing otherness. And I say whenever I write now, I whenever I write the word other or otherness, it's with a capital O. So just keep that in mind. So otherness with a capital O, just to say that, you know, I personally believe that we are inseparate, you know, from one another. But also that becomes hard to explain, you know, just using like words. So that's why I just capitalize it. And hopefully that makes enough sense to you. Um, yeah, capitalize other just to say that, you know, while we appear to be separate, we aren't. And that's just, you know, what I believe. But Eros within Violet, so I really love Eros within the Violet family because for me, okay, the way, and this this does depend on a little bit in, you know, just in terms of what you believe. So, and again, that changes over time. So when I was really young, I used to believe that God was like a man in the sky, you know, just kind of watching over all of us, right? Um, that's no longer true for me. And again, it's not to knock anybody that just like that kind of aligns with them. And that's also just like an oversimplified explanation in general. Um, but if it, if what you believe is anything close to that, that's cool too. It's just mine changed. So for me, you know, gradually my understanding of God, you know, shifted to, you know, the spirit, the life, the energy, the unconditional love within you that is also within everyone else. And so that's really important to me, you know, just in terms of my relationship with God and my relationship with spirit and Violet in general, 
because that really supports the idea of unity consciousness. And so Eros is, you know, really getting grounded, looking at your surroundings and realizing that tree over there is not separate from you. My mother is not separate from me. My father is not separate from me. And as I interact with them, as I learn about the God, the unconditional love within them, I'm learning about it within myself too. And so Eros is kind of like, it's kind of like the mirror, but not really. Um, It's just acknowledging that in every form there is unconditional love too. And so in that, really embracing everything that this human experience has to offer. It's for me within the context of Violet, it's saying that your human experience is not separate from your spiritual experience. They're one and the same. And I really love that for Violet. Again, it grounds Violet um, because I really didn't understand, you know, for a long time, again, when I was really investigating, you know, what does God mean to me? You know, what is what does all of this really mean to me? I didn't understand that, number one, it was when I really didn't understand, you know, when people would use spiritual, like the word spiritual, spirituality, et cetera. I didn't understand it for myself. Eros is being human is a spiritual experience and everything around you is connected to that same spiritual experience that you have within you. So the unconditional love within you is everywhere and it's everywhere that you can sense, you know, with the five senses specifically, but then also beyond, you know, Eros is specifically, you know, the five senses, you know, what you can taste, what you can smell, you know, the nature, the plants, the food, the music, the art that we all interact with that we all, you know, think we're separate from that has the same unconditional love that we are made of within it, you know, or within them. So it encourages you to learn from the world and explore it with a curious, honest, and open heart, you know? And I really love that, again, within the context of Violet, because like I said earlier at the beginning, Violet is the color of becoming your own channel. And to me, all channeling is, is receiving love and wisdom within the container of your personal relationship with God in whatever way, shape, or form that might look like. That's it, you know? So for me, we all have the ability to channel, and I know that's like a different, you know, understanding. I don't necessarily think that, you know, channeling is just like, you know, it comes in one form. It comes in, like my channel is very multidimensional. Like I think that many people's are. But again, your channel, it's just another way of saying your relationship with God, your relationship with self, yourself, your relationship with spirit, or just like your own language, you know, whatever relationship that is, you know, that, that, that's what it is. And so Eros adds this layer of saying, you know, the prayer, you know, praying directly to yourself, praying directly to your God is one way. Praying directly to spirit is one way. Praying to unconditional love within you and everybody else is one way, which I think is beautiful because again, it supports this concept of unity consciousness that when you pray or when you heal unconditional love within yourself, you're doing it for like the collective. But, you know, again, that's just an, a different interpretation. Eros adds this layer of, you know, just within the context of Violet and being your own channel and your relationship with God that everything, you know, in my practice it's not just about, again, praying directly to yourself, to God, to the unconditional love within you, but realizing that when you are in relationship with your mother, your father, your sibling, uh, your food, a tree, music, art, 
that's also your relationship with God too. And so I wholeheartedly believe that. And it really depends. You know, I think it depends on if you believe that God is separate from you or unconditional love is separate from you or outside of you. I believe that it is much a part of me as it is you. And the tree and the food and the music and the art and the plants and the animals, you know, all that good stuff. And our spirit guides and all of, you know, the spirit world, the unseen, you know, all that good stuff. Um, So that's why I love Arrows for Violet. You know, it really, it helps you to understand that, you know, it, you know what it is? The sword, the prayer, and the nectar, and the sustainer, those are all really individual processes, you know? So, you know, getting clear, developing your own ways. Like, the prayer is, like, how do you communicate with, you know, God, yourself, you know, et cetera? You know, what's your language like, you know? And then the nectar, finding your own and channeling your own unique medicine— Eros reminds you that your relationship with God, as I said earlier, your relationship with yourself is reflected outside of you. Your relationship with God is reflected outside of you. So Eros is your relationship with yourself, your relationship with God influences with how you interact with the rest of this third dimensional world. And that's really, really important, you know? So I would say just in the spirit of Violet, in the spirit of unity consciousness, you know, when you're going through the sword, you know, and getting clear on, you know, what is yours and what isn't, when you're going through the prayer and finding, you know, how it is that you communicate with God, what does prayer mean to you, you know, what does God mean to you, um, or what doesn't it mean to you, you know, just asking yourself the question, it's more about asking yourself the question than coming up with a specific response, or, you know, what is, and then finding your own unique medicine. And then, you know, again, the sustainer grounding it and putting it into practice does everything that you've done, you know, this healing practice, this practice, this prayer practice, you know, this relationship that you have with yourself, with God, et cetera, does that help you to embrace others in the spirit that we are all connected in the spirit of unity consciousness? So Eros provides that us you know, with that little check-in. All right, so now we have the comic. And so the comic ties really well into the prayer because remember when I said that the prayer for me is kind of when you go outside of yourself and you kind of just step outside of your ego and into unconditional love for a moment? It's also when we can just see the really, really, really big picture. You know, instead of, you know, being stuck, in your little picture, it's going outside and expanding into the largest picture that you could possibly imagine. And that's the comic. So the comic does bring this fun energy because I feel like everything's been so serious. You know, we've been talking about God, prayer, medicine, you know, getting clear, you know, prayer practices. The comic does bring this levity and just this brightness in understanding that this is all meant to be fun. You know, it's kind of like the eternal child in that way. And just under, it's kind of like when people say that I think like they say something like God has a sense of humor with the comic. Definitely, you know, and not to take everything so seriously. And again, just kind of like the nectar, you know, remember the nectar's message about not being too fixed on what healing is, you know, again, the comic kind of brings this ease and I, I really love the comics energy just in general. So anytime, so for example, Anytime I kind of, and this goes again, really, really well with the prayer. Um, anytime I get too bogged down and like, actually, even this morning, 
you know, before I even recorded, before I started recording this episode, I was just like, I got way too focused on myself, you know? And I was focusing on literally possibly the smallest picture possible. The comic challenges us to just take a step back, take another step back, and then take like 5,000 more steps back to just see the larger picture. And that's always been incredibly healing to me. So anytime, like this morning, I was just like really upset. And um, sometimes I get so, and I just, I feel like the comic just checks you a little bit and says, have some perspective. So when I was really upset this morning, I was like, and this is a little bit of the sustainer and the nectar too, you know, knowing what heals you and knowing, you know, how you can sustain and nourish yourself. So when I knew I was kind of, you know, going just deeper and deeper into the tunnel, I was like, oh, take a step back here, bigger picture. And then I was like, okay, one step back, you know, what's like the larger picture here? And then I took a couple of more steps back and I was like, okay, what's even the larger picture, you know? That's the energy of the comic. And the comic, again, it brings this like levity and knows how to not take things so, so seriously and get bogged down by those tiny little details. And that's so important just in terms of Violet to always keep the collective in mind. The comic says, don't get too, again, too bogged down in like this small teeny weeny details of your own life because then you're missing the bigger picture. And so Violet, it also balances. So Violet is the balance between your relationship with self, your relationship with yourself slash your relationship with God and the collective consciousness at large. It's balancing the both of those, you know? So again, the first, I would say the sword, the prayer, the nectar, the sustainer, those are a lot about you, you know, and your personal practice and your relationship with God. And then Eros, it expands it into what are your relationships with others like as a result of your prayer practice, as a result of your language, as a result of how you communicate your spirit, as a result of your relationship with yourself or your relationship with God. That is like, that's Eros. And then the comic is saying, you know, make sure, again, how does your relationship with God, your relationship with self, how does that impact how you can see the larger picture? And again, balancing out, don't get too, you know, bogged down in the details of your own life. Make sure you can just take a step back. So the comic is actually quite brilliant in that respect, um, just in terms of not only reminding yourself, hey, bigger picture, you know, unity consciousness, collective consciousness, et cetera, you know, within the Violet family. But also, how can you remind others of the same thing, you know? So, it, it yeah, it it definitely is quite brilliant in that nature, you know? You know, like, when there's just that, you know, you've seen someone or interacted with somebody that just knows how to embody the comic when everybody's super upset. So I've definitely been in situations like this before. Like, um, you know, it's around the holidays, you know, so we have like a lot of, you know, well, not so much this year, but, you know, around the holidays, you know, maybe there were times, depending on what your family's like, if you had a lot of family over, you know, in the past years, you know, pre-pandemic and everybody would get super serious or, you know, there might be an argument. The comic is the person that can just break everybody out of it, you know, snap them out of it. And just remind everybody, you know, we're here to have fun. We're here to enjoy each other's company. It's the holidays. We're here to love one another. Let's get back to that instead of whatever it is you were arguing about before. 
that's kind of the narrative of the comic. You know, if everybody's just like down and like arguing or like too focused on the small picture, the comic knows how to bring people outside of themselves. And that's what's really important too. You know, the prayer, again, it's the card of bringing you outside of yourself. So the comic within that larger picture sees, understands, accepts, and embraces, you know, that life can be messy, you know, but the messiness doesn't mean that you have to be eternally stressed and eternally serious, you know? Embracing and accepting messiness, it's kind of like the comic, it's kind of like um, like a magician in a way. You know, it takes the inherent messiness and, you know, those kind of serious moments of life and, you know, it accepts life for exactly what it is, you know? So within that larger picture, it accepts life, life for exactly, you know, it is what it is. So what will we do with it next? You know, it just, it lightens up the mood. It lightens up the room and it brings its own kind of healing magic in that respect, you know? So, and again, Violet, very, very important that whatever relationship you have with yourself or with God in general, allows you to see the larger picture with some clarity. So that's the comics medicine. And then we have the father last. So the father I've talked, it was actually, um, I believe it was the father or the prayer that was my first podcast episode ever. So that's why, you know, I don't, it's, I think it might be the prayer. You know, I don't really remember. All right, it's either the father or the prayer. That was my first podcast episode. And, you know, it's been it's been a while, you know, since then. I think that was like during the summer, um, definitely during the summer. The father, our final archetype of the Violet family, of the channeling family, of the relationship to God, relationship to yourself, unity conscious family, unity consciousness family. It reminds us that we are simultaneously perfect and imperfect at the same time. So basically, when I say perfect and imperfect, you know, we have that perfect aspect to ourselves, which is unconditional love. It is, you know, the God within us. It is the, um, yeah, the spirit within us. It is the source within us. That is the perfect aspect to ourselves that we all have within ourselves. You know, it's to say that, you know, again, in the spirit of the imaginal space, we are all born in love. We are all born in unconditional love and we are all born in equality. Then there's the side of us that is simultaneously imperfect and that's just our human experience. And I love the father because it it is a big enough container to hold that it's basically the saying that we are unconditional love, you know, in infinite different forms. We are human beings having a spiritual experience. We are creation, having a human experience. We are God, you know, in human bodies. That's the energy of the father as Violet. And I thought that was a beautiful way to wrap this up because the father invites us to balance out the fact that we, you know, depending on what you believe in, um, but yeah, this is what it means to me. Um, We have unconditional love within us. We have our souls. We have our spirits. We have that eternal aspect of self, that perfect aspect. And what's so interesting about it is the father is constantly learning about itself through its human form. So 
That's kind of what I was saying about earlier with Eros and, you know, the understanding that being human is one of the most spiritual experiences that you can possibly have. They are not separate, you know? There is no, you know, being spiritual without being human in my eyes. And the father really reflects and echoes this message. You know, it just reminds us that, you know, everything that we've done so far, you know, getting clear with the sword, you know, developing our own relationship with God, with the prayer, finding our own unique medicine, putting that into practice. You know, we're constantly learning about ourselves as we navigate this human experience. And we're learning about ourselves in both ways. So when we tap into unconditional love, we learn more about our capacity to love and serve as we are human. And when we, and this goes really, really well with Eros too, when we learn more about our human stories, we also learn about different aspects of unconditional love that we haven't before. So, and the father, that's like more about yourself. And then the Eros expands that to the rest of the world, you know? So, you know, you're, I have always loved this understanding that unconditional love is always learning about itself in its infinite forms. So unconditional love it, you know, if you identify that way, um, the creation with you, the God within you is learning about itself through you. So with the father and paying attention to that and paying attention to, you know, how everything that you are experience, experiencing, it's unconditional love learning about itself. And then Eros, you know, expands it and says, you know, unconditional love is everywhere around you constantly learning about itself through, you know, those forms and through, yeah, through those multidimensional forms and then through all of those interactions. So it's like you are everywhere. You as unconditional love, God, source, creation, you are everywhere learning about yourself constantly. And that's what kind of wraps everything up um, in the spirit of unity and collective consciousness, you know? And I believe it's important, you know, within my practice, I've just found that it's important for me for my relationship with God to always reflect that. So the father and arrows, the father is also an incredibly grounding card because it does remind us that, you know, again, our relationships with ourselves, God, et cetera, is very important, but we are still human at the end of the day. And being human is one of the most important experiences you can possibly have because again, it gives unconditional love the opportunity to learn about itself, you know? So, for that reason, I absolutely love the father because it gives you the permission to say, you know what, I can always, you know, tap into more love within myself. I can always connect with the God within myself, you know, with the prayer, you know, the nectar, you know, prayer, medicine, etc. And also, and I just, I know it's always there, you know, as I'm navigating this human experience and even, and there is perfection in the imperfection. So, there are tons of times, and I think I talked about this on a previous episode. Oh, yeah, um, it was with the siren. So that was yellow. Um, that's the yellow family. So this is kind of like the same, kind of the same thing. Just think back on a time where you've made a quote unquote mistake, you know, and maybe you didn't handle something that you might have wanted to and, you know, whatever, you made a mistake or something like that and the father makes mistakes. You know, the father within us makes mistakes, but it also acknowledges those mistakes or, you know, less favorable moments. It's still unconditional love learning about itself. 
And that's so important to remember. So the father understands you don't, you move through this life simultaneously, perfectly and imperfectly. From a human egoic perspective, you know, it's not so perfect all the time. But from, you know, God's eyes, you know, the eyes of unconditional love, the great mother, it is perfect, you know, because you're still, you know, you're learning about yourself, you know, as a divine being. Again, that's just, that's one way of putting it. You don't have to put it that way, you know, if you don't want to. But the father is on honoring and acknowledging the divinity within you as like a human physical form, you know? It's honoring the divinity and the physicality together and realizing that you need them both. You know, they both go together and they both come in this one package. And that's what allows, you know, unconditional love to be expressed too. I think I mentioned this earlier. The prayer is, it's not only, you know, you know, your relationship with God, creation, yourself, etc. Your relationship with unconditional love. It's also how you express it. You know, and that's why I said, you know, the prayer is not just like a for me, you know, personally. And again, you know, find the answers to your own questions. Especially, you know, the questions of, you know, what is prayer to you? You know, when are you praying? When aren't you? You know, all that good stuff. The prayer to me is a state. It's like it's a state of channeling. It's whenever you are. And so there are some days where I'm like, you know what? You and this is where the sustainer comes in. You're never not praying. You know, you're never not like the state of prayer is always available to you. You're never not praying. It's whether you're conscious of it or not. You know, so the prayer for me, it is like the big part of what is your relationship with God look like? So in the same way, you know, going back to the father, divinity is inherently a part of you, just like your human body is like a part of you in this whole experience. It's not necessarily your identity, but it's a part of you um, just in general. In the same way that, you know, God is not separate from you, you know? So even, so for me, you know, what's like a good way of saying this? Cause this is again, where it gets a little bit dicey to explain. I believe that in this, oh, this is perfect for like Eros. I believe that God's within everybody. And I believe that God is always there for you. Unconditional love is always there for you. If you choose to connect to it, fine. And if you don't, that's okay, you know? And then some people don't believe that. And that's like totally wonderful too. In fact, that's Violet, you know, speaking of, this is a little bit of blue as well, but you know, this message goes in really well here. Blue, you know, the color of truth, it's about celebrating diversity and truth. So I'm going to bring a little bit of blue in here, you know, just to, you know, sprinkle that in. It's about, yeah, celebrating the diversity of truth that exists on this, you know, planet in this experience and being inclusive and, you know, and holding a space, you know, for your truth and all of the other truths out there. So that's blues medicine a little bit. Um, But what was I saying with Violet in the prayer? Yeah. So in the same way in which, you know, I believe that God isn't separate from you, you know, you can just, it's kind of like, okay, yeah. In the same way um, that I believe that God has always been in separate from me. So there was a period in time where I didn't make the connection you know, I wasn't actively cultivating that relationship, but God was always there. You know, it's the same thing with the prayer. You know, you're always in a state of prayer because I believe that the God within me is communicating with the God within you and everybody else, you know, with Eros a little bit. It's just, are you going to be consciously aware of it or not? You know, 
our spirits, the unconditional love within all of us, it's always interacting. You know, it's always, you know, creating different, you know, interpersonal relationships. It's always, you know, learning, you know, from one another. And the father is like a big, like, you know, you're always learning about yourself. You're always learning about your spirit. You're always learning about unconditional love. Um, But all of that is to say that you're never not, the prayer is not only your relationship with, you know, God or yourself, it's also how you communicate that relationship to everybody else, you know? And you're always communicating it. That's the beautiful part of Violet is that at any given moment in time, your relationship with yourself, God, et cetera, is being reflected everywhere outside of you. So it's always being communicated. And when I say being communicated, it's not just through your voice, you know, it's through your actions, you know, it's through, you know, how you choose to spread love or, you know, whatever, you know, communication is so multidimensional. We don't have to dive into that today. And this is just like an introduction episode. Um, but yeah, that should be, that should be good. You know, Violet is a very, very special family. Um, and just don't forget the unity consciousness aspect of Violet. You know, it's always been important to me that my relationship with God, whatever it is at any point in time promotes unity consciousness, you know, again, with arrows, it promotes, you know, there's unity consciousness in two respects, unity consciousness, you know, in terms of embracing otherness with a capital O and embracing everyone that is around you and simultaneously in separate from you. And then also unity consciousness just within the self, you know, there's also, again, embracing all dimensions and all sides of you, the human side, you know, the perfect and imperfect sides too. So with that, we are going to close out the same way that we came in. Um, I just like to say thank you to all of the guides, you know, everything that supported this exploration of Violet today. Reflect a little bit. I take a couple of deep breaths. If you need more time, just hit your pause button and then we will be finished for today. Okay, perfect. So thank you so much for joining me, you know, in our exploration of Violet today. I think this was a beautiful introduction to Violet. I learned so many different things about Violet that I, you know, didn't really know before. And I look forward to continuing to explore Violet in writing and other podcast episodes. Um, But this was a really special episode for me. So thank you again. Um, If you could rate, review, subscribe, that's really helpful just in terms of podcasting. Otherwise, I will talk to you soon.